Happy Resurrection Day. Happy Easter. It's a day I look forward to every year because let's be honest, more people usually show up for church on Easter. And guess what? I like that. I like that. We all do. Beyond showing up, it seems that followers of Jesus automatically come to church in a spirit of celebration when it's Easter. We just can't even help it, right? It's crazy. This is a day that has historically been set aside to commemorate that Sunday morning about 2,000 years ago when Jesus rose from the grave. He is risen. He is risen. Amen. Now, does anybody remember where we were three years ago on this particular Sunday? We were at home. <laughs> Pretty much all of us were that year. Most of you were watching me on a screen in your pajamas with your kids running around in circles. I was at home too, preaching to a camera with my house shoes on just below your view. That was three years ago, and that was something we thought could never happen, but it did. The next Easter, we were spaced out in more ways than one. We were wearing masks per school regulations. We were covered and separated for Easter. Now, why do I bring up these painful memories? Because we should never again forget the privilege of coming together as a church. Amen? And what do we come together to do every Sunday? The number one thing we come together to do every Sunday is to celebrate and proclaim the substitutionary death and life-giving resurrection of Jesus Christ. We celebrate and proclaim all that His death and resurrection mean for our lives and for the world. In other words, we come together to celebrate and proclaim the gospel, the good news about Jesus. Maybe somebody here today honestly wonders why. I mean, what is the big deal? What is so great about the gospel? And not in terms of something historical or global, but what does it mean for me that matters Today, I think even some of the most well-versed Christians occasionally get a little foggy on what matters about the gospel day in and day out. All right, so let me tell you or remind you why it matters today. Let me even be so seemingly shallow as to tell you what is in it for you. What is it that you are supposed to um, be so happy about today. I mean, if I told you that somebody in this service will receive a brand new 4x4 truck of your choice at the end of the day, are you telling me you're so spiritual that you wouldn't be a little bit more excited, maybe even than you are right now? No. We are human beings, and we want stuff. We want, we don't even know what we want, but we want something. We're pretty sure somebody else has it. 
So what is it that the church of Jesus Christ and that preacher up there is offering to me on this Easter Sunday in the year 2023? What am I supposed to be excited about? What's really an Easter for me? I'm about to tell you. What I'm offering you today is not a thing like a new car that won't be new for long and will wind up breaking down and being a pain in your life eventually. Not something that's here today, gone tomorrow. Not something that isn't going to be a gift that keeps on giving. No, what I'm offering you today based on the Word of God and the promise of God is this. Power. That's right. I am here in this pulpit, this position of proclamation today, even in the church of Jesus Christ on Easter, and I'm offering you power. Now, if you're not, if you're not, not, if you're new <laughs> around here at Go Church, and um, I'm not, uh, you don't know me as your pastor, you're probably thinking right now, okay, is this going to be weird? Well, hang in there for a minute. On this Easter Sunday, I want to talk to you about the power of Jesus Christ. Oh, okay, the power of Jesus. So, all right, now we're back to religious talk, and this isn't going to really mean anything uh, that really matters for me. Wrong. Incorrect. Quite the opposite. This means everything for every one of you. But is there really power in Jesus? Is it real? Does it make a real difference in the life of a believer? How is this going to matter for my everyday life? Is there really power in Jesus? The church crowd knows the right answer. Anyone who listens to Caleb knows the right answer. How many songs tell us there's power in Jesus' name? But what if an unconvinced person were to ask you to define that power? What if somebody on the street said, what on earth do you mean by that? What's the big deal, they ask? What power? Are you telling me you have the power to magically affect the future, to get things to go the way you want them to go? Are you talking about the power to succeed or to win at sports or to influence people or to make money or to do well at life or to always be healthy and wealthy? And hopefully the people of Go Church would readily admit, no, no. It isn't that kind of power at all. So what is it then? What power do I have in knowing Jesus that somebody who doesn't know him doesn't have? What is the power of Christ? Really? Just before ascending to heaven, Jesus told his followers, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be my witnesses. As I often share the word witnesses here is martus in the original Greek. The word is martus and it simply means, you might be able to guess, martyrs. You will receive power to accomplish your greatest purpose, which is to bear witness to Christ by your life and by your death. Jesus literally says that his followers will receive power to live and die in a way that causes others to believe in him. Have you ever seen anyone die in such a way that it helped you believe more strongly in Jesus? I have. Now you just think about this for a minute. In light of the fact that about 56 million people die every year on earth. That's more than a million a week. 
Some researchers say we're fast approaching the point where more people will be dying than being born. I could chase about three rabbits there. But right now I'm only trying to say that obviously death is the biggest of all human problems, right? Isn't that what everyone's trying to stop, whether it's climate change activists or we who are pro-life or 15 other things? It's all about saving lives. That's frankly how so many things are justified today, often to no avail. In truth, more and more people die every day. So just hang on to that for a minute. You will be my martyrs. That's what Jesus said to his followers. How? By the power of the Holy Spirit who was sent to us by Christ after he was resurrected and ascended to heaven. Good news. You will get the power both to live and to die in a way that bears witness to who I am. That's what Jesus said. We are nearing the end, folks. Not of the sermon. No, not at all. We are nearing the end, either by his return or by death. I vote for the return to come first, but what does the Bible say about the times before Jesus returns? What did the first century Christians face? What might we face tomorrow or next year? Jesus said his followers would receive power from the Holy Spirit to live and die in a way that causes others to believe in him, that we will receive power to be his witnesses, literally his martyrs. That's what Jesus said, and that's exactly why those early disciples, and that's exactly what those early disciples did. They died as witnesses for Jesus. Why should we be different? Okay, this is definitely not as good as a new truck, Pastor. That's what somebody's thinking right now. You're thinking you don't like this promised power very much at all. Well, hang in there, and you'll see I did not overpromise. The church today needs this very power of which Jesus spoke, the power that the early church had. We need the power to be courageous in the face of persecution, in the face of suffering and even death. We need the power that comes with faith in the resurrection, the power that flows from the Holy Spirit. We need the promised power of Christ. Yes, I need power. I need power. I need the power of God. I need the power to die to my selfishness. To, to put my wife first, to love her as Christ loved the church. I need power to crucify my fleshly desires, which are insatiable and will utterly destroy me unless starved to death. I need power to endure the fact that this body I'm living in is, is on the way to dead. It's getting worse all the time. I need power to die to my pride that makes me an ugly person. I need the power to live life to the fullest, to suck the marrow out of life, as Thoreau put it, to live in a way that brings glory to God and causes others to want to know the Jesus who I claim to follow. I need power, God's power, just to get through at least two or three more weeks of my wife and daughter binge-watching Dr. Quinn, Medicine Woman. <laughs> yes, I need the power of Christ for so many things. So what is this power and where do we get it and how do we apply it? Well, let's start by understanding one thing very clearly. Get this today, please. Even after I'm done, I want you to go back and ponder this one truth and discover the depths of this one truth, maybe even for the rest of your life. Listen carefully. The power of Christ is in his resurrection. That's where the power is. 
Maybe that sounds too theological to be practical. I assure you this is the most practical truth you could ever come to understand. These words are worth remembering. The power of Christ is in His resurrection. See, if and when you truly embrace the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, you will become a world changer, a powerful man or woman of God, but not before. When you need power, go back to the resurrection of Christ. Find your hope, your strength, indeed your power, and nothing less than the fact that Jesus rose from the grave. Here again, I know many of you are not seeing the power yet. You're thinking this is just religious talk. Keep listening. For our text today, we're going to look at Philippians 3, verses 8 through 11. And I'm going to show you not only that the power of Christ is in His resurrection, but also that what that power means practically and how to apply it to your daily life. Let's read these incredible verses. Philippians chapter 3, starting with verse 8. The Apostle Paul writes, More than that, I count all things to be lost in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them but rubbish, so that I may gain Christ, and may be found in Him, not having a righteousness of my own derived from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which comes from God on the basis of faith, that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His sufferings, being conformed to his death in order that I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. The power of Christ is in his resurrection. That's true. But I also want you to understand what it is that is practically powerful about the resurrection. See, folks, I want it to matter that you were listening today. I want to show you how the resurrection of Jesus Christ offers daily power for daily life right now. For four truths. Four truths taken straight out of the text we just read. And the first one is this. The power of the resurrection is in knowing the living Christ. The power is in knowing Him. Since Jesus is alive, you can know Him. And folks, actually knowing the Son of God, that's powerful. Verse 8 says, more than that, I can all things to be lost in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. And the first part of verse 10 shows Paul's goal, that I may know him. Doesn't this make logical sense? Think about it. What if you could really know God? Like, I mean, he knows you and you know him. What else would matter? Folks, this is where the power begins. In fact, there is no good and godly power apart from knowing Christ. Read John 15 for a good lesson on what we can do without Christ as opposed to what we can do in Christ. That's where Jesus says, apart from me, you can do nothing. But in the positive, he also tells us that those who abide in him will bear much fruit. We will bear abundant fruit in Christ. That's what the Bible says. But what does it mean? It means that in Christ you will be powerful in the truest sense of the word. To bear fruit is to affect change. Indeed, this is literally about being extensions of the power of Christ. Like vines and branches. Like relay stations we are in terms of electricity. And so as he works through us, we're doing high voltage things in the world. Things that really matter. That's power. That's John 15. And this is why Paul says in our main text that everything else is loss compared to knowing Christ because our connection to Jesus is our connection to power. 
Consider this. What if Jesus were still dead, like Buddha or Muhammad? Well, then we could not know him. Then we could not abide in him. Then we could not walk with him spiritually. We could know about him. We could know about him. But if Jesus had not risen to live forever, we could not know him as Lord because he would only be a person from the past. In other words, without the resurrection, there's no power available for us in Christ. Without a resurrected Lord in Jesus, we are indeed powerless human beings, able to do nothing other than what any old human being can do. But thankfully, Jesus is alive and he is real. Further, it's specifically because he conquered death by rising from the dead that we now have life more abundantly than we would have if, we were not, if he were not living in us before we were dead inside. Spiritually speaking, we were dead. But now, because of the resurrected Christ in us, we have the power of life within us. I'll say it again. The power of Christ is in His resurrection, and the power of His resurrection is in the fact that you can know Him. Jesus lives, and you can know Him. Also called Emmanuel, which means God with us. How much value is there in His presence how surpassingly powerful is it that, that through the resurrection, Christ, who is God, lives within us by the Spirit? Dare I say the truth to you today? God is here. Christ in me, the hope of glory. That's power. Surpassing value. Incredible power. Do you need power? Yes, you do. You need the power of God. You need His power to be the person He wants you to be. Sometimes the old saying is true that power comes from who you know. And how well you know them. Do you know Jesus? How well do you know Him? If you want God's power in your life, you'll need to get, get to know Jesus better. He died on a cross, but He didn't stay dead. He rose. On the third day, and the Bible says the same power, the same power that brought Jesus from the grave is available to you and me. But notice it said, I said it's available. Not automatic. So many verses of Scripture. Choose to walk daily with the living Lord and His resurrection power be there when you need it most. Secondly, the power of the resurrection is in attaining the righteousness of Christ. Look back at verse 9. And may be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own derived from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which comes from God on the basis of faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. By faith in Christ and because of the power of his resurrection, we receive his righteousness as a grace gift from God. This applies both to justification and to sanctification, meaning that in the sense of our eternal position before God, we are declared righteous upon our initial faith in Christ. But also this means that we, as we walk by faith in life, we can actually live out the righteousness of Christ. The reason we have the power to be and do righteousness is only because Jesus canceled the power of sin by defeating death. The power to be righteous like Jesus is in the resurrection. 
But do you realize how powerful this is? I just told you that you could be like God. What? In his character. That's right. But look also at the next verse following our primary text for today where Paul writes, Not that I have already obtained it, or have already become perfect, but I press on so that I may lay hold of that for which also I was laid hold of by Christ Jesus. From the context, we can see that Paul's talking about righteousness here in verse 12. So he's saying that even though his life doesn't always line up perfectly with the righteousness he has received by faith, he presses on so that this righteousness will become more and more visible in his daily life. Believers are not futile in this effort because in a resurrected Christ, we now have the power to be righteous. The idea is that since Jesus is alive, by faith in him, you're not only righteous in God's sight, verse 9, but you also now have the power within you through a living Lord to press on toward living out his righteousness. Basically, we're talking about the power to be and do the goodness of God rather than to be and do what? Evil. And so in this passage, we see that the power for you to be righteous specifically comes through your faith in the resurrection. This is probably a good time to pause and ask, do you really believe that Jesus rose from the grave? If not, your Christianity is as powerless as an uncharged Tesla sitting in the middle of a rainforest. <laughs> to be clear, if you do not believe Jesus rose from the dead, you do not have saving faith. Now, you may have believed in something or somebody, but not the Jesus who has the power to save from sin and death. You haven't believed in the real Jesus if you don't believe in a resurrected Jesus. If you do not believe Jesus rose from the dead, judgment day is not going to be a good day for you. But if you do believe Jesus did what he said he would do, rising from the dead, that means the power of his resurrection now lives in you. Power to do what? The power to be righteous. What I'm saying is this, fellow Christians, stop believing the lies of the devil who wants you to live defeated. If you believe in a resurrected and living Christ, then believe in the power that lives within you. His power, which is every bit like a superpower, actually allowing you to be good. We're talking about the power to overcome sin and strongholds of sin. Listen, if you know that one day you will overcome death, then this day surely you can overcome the sin that wants to keep you powerless. Maybe it's time that you and I learn to walk in a manner worthy of our calling. And half the battle is understanding that we have the power to do that. The same power that raised Jesus from the grave. Third statement. The power of the resurrection is in the fellowship of suffering loss for Christ. Oh, this is definitely not as good as a new truck, Pastor. When we get to the good part. Well, hopefully you've heard a few good things, but we're gonna, it's going to keep getting better after this point. This one might be a little tough. Let's check it out. In verse 8, Paul says... I count all things to be lost in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus as Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them but rubbish. And in verse 10 he says that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings 
You ever skip, skim through that part? <laughs> what was that? Oh, that doesn't matter. Let's just, what was it? The fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death. Which would be more powerful? Getting that F-150 or that Tundra or whatever you like. Or not really needing or wanting one all that bad in the first place. See what I'm saying? What are we really looking for in life? Contentment. How powerful would it be to find that? And where do we find it? Look again, Paul says he's found fellowship, joyous companionship in what? In suffering the loss of all things. Wow, how can a human being find fellowship with Christ in loss? How can a person be content even with the death that he knows is coming? Only because of the power of the resurrection. See, if not for the resurrection, the story of Jesus would offer us no fellowship in suffering, but only despair. And if not for the resurrection, why in the world would Paul or any of us be willing to suffer loss for Christ? Why would I be willing to sacrifice anything for a dead historical figure? I wouldn't. I think Abraham Lincoln was amazing, but I have no fellowship in suffering for him or with him. Why? Because he's dead. Why wouldn't I try my best to avoid suffering in this life if there were no reward promised to those who suffer for and with Jesus? If there is no resurrection, no eternal life, there's nothing to hold on to in suffering, nothing to celebrate together, no shared hope or contentment in looking forward to what is coming on the other side. But because we do share hope, which is founded in the gospel truth that Jesus both died and was resurrected, we also have fellowship. In, even in the dying part, even in the dying part. Because that simply means we're closer to sharing in the resurrection part with him. Let's think about this some more. Because I'm not going to take it for granted that everyone understands that there's power in the fellowship of suffering with Jesus. How does this work? Exactly. I'll start with a question. What was gained by the suffering of Christ? Besides forgiveness for our sins... Spiritual freedom, eternal life for those who believe. What was gained like for Jesus himself? What did Jesus Christ gain through suffering on the cross? The Bible actually indicates that there was a reward in the cross for Jesus. Simply read Philippians chapter 2. If you want to see that Jesus benefited eternally through his willingness to suffer on our behalf. Jesus was rewarded for his suffering. And that for eternity. And so when Jesus, the firstborn from the dead, the Father shows us that suffering in this life will actually produce for us or earn for us glory in the next. Hear that. If you're a believer who's suffering today, especially. Let me give you some scripture, one of many I could give to back that up. As the Bible said, therefore, we do not lose heart. But though our outer man is decaying, yet our inner man is being renewed day by day. For momentary light affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory. For who? For us. What's getting it for us? Momentary light affliction. Producing for us an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison. But see, none of this would be true if Jesus had stayed dead. None of this would be true if you and I were to stay dead when we die. It is only because of his resurrection, guaranteeing our own resurrection, that our suffering, pain, and even death are to be seen as down payments 
toward an eternal inheritance that will far surpass whatever small sacrifices we make on this earth. I'll put it like this. Resurrection turns earthly suffering into eternal reward. I couldn't put it any more simply than that. Resurrection turns earthly suffering into eternal reward. Now that's power, folks. That's powerful. I mean, one day we'll truly see how powerful this is. But for today, great faith is required to live for the gain of what you will receive after you die. And yet that is exactly what Jesus taught us to do in many of his parables. He also set the example. After he humbled himself to the point of death on the cross, he was given a name that's above every name. And now he is restored to his heavenly throne where he will reign forever. But please get it that these and other things were restored to Christ because he was willing to suffer. And you see, none of this position or power or reward or whatever you want to call it would be his today if he were still dead. The Apostle Paul said, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. See, there's fellowship in suffering with Christ because we know that as we follow him in death, we will also follow him in being resurrected. For those in Christ, life and death is a together thing. As we share in his suffering, we'll share in his glory. The Bible actually teaches specifically that the degree, to the degree we share in Christ's suffering, to that degree we will share in his glory. In the kingdom of God, those who lose the most gain the most. Jesus taught that repeatedly. Why? Because Jesus Christ turned death into life. How's that for power? The power of the resurrection is in the fact that every hardship you endure for Jesus has redemption value. Every single thing you lay down for Christ will be resurrected in some way. Every sacrifice you make, every moment of persecution you endure, every pain you feel in relation to following Jesus will be paid back to you many times over. And this is only possible because by his resurrection, Jesus made a way for you to live eternally with him. Where will that be? It'll be in a place that's designed for restoration, redemption, and reward. By the way, most of you know that Christy and I are on a path toward laying down a lot again. And if you think it's easy, you're wrong. It's hard. I want to acknowledge again today that I know it hurts you as well. And that saddens me. But do you understand that it hurts us? People who are sent out, sacrifice. And people who stay back and send them out, sacrifice as well. Can you see how this point applies? It's plain as day. The power of the resurrection is experienced through suffering loss for Christ. Because his resurrection turns earthly suffering into eternal reward. Anything you give up for Jesus will come back to you and then some in eternity. That's not me saying something that's convenient. That is me saying something that I have lived. Both ways, for the record. Mercy Me has been my favorite band for many years. One of their Older songs had a line I'll never forget. You'll never know why you're alive until you know what you would die for. Are you ready to die for Jesus? Could you, like Paul, look at suffering or even dying for Christ as something strangely positive? 
Would you look at times of persecution and hardship, of loss, a disappointment as opportunities to share in the fellowship of the suffering of Christ? Enduring hardship for Him with a certain kind of joy because you know the end game is resurrection? As James, the brother of Jesus, said, consider it all joy when you encounter various trials. Why? What could possibly be joyful or feel like fellowship with Jesus when someone is mean or hurtful to me? Or when some, someone slanders me? Or when someone leaves me behind? Or worse, when I'm thrown into prison or even executed for my faith, as many around the world still are today, how could there be joy or fellowship in that? I will tell you this. Your ability to see suffering as an opportunity for fellowship with Jesus or to consider everything you lose for Him to be as rubbish, as Paul put it, will be proportional to your faith in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Do you understand what I'm saying? How much do you really believe in the resurrection? Let me say it this way. Your perspective on suffering will be as positive as your faith in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I'm going to say it one more time. Your perspective on suffering will be as positive as your faith in the resurrection of Jesus. You can be positive about suffering in this life if you're positive that the resurrection of Jesus guarantees your own. Do you really believe? Jesus rose from the dead. Do you really believe you'll have eternal life in paradise with him? The power of Christ is in his resurrection because in his resurrection even the worst and hardest parts of your life are swallowed up in his eternal victory over death. Amen? That brings us to the final and most important point. The power of the resurrection is in losing your fear of death. Again, Paul writes that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being confirmed to his death in order that I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. The power of the resurrection means that by faith in Christ, believers are now immortal. We are immortal. I have said this for about two decades now, but the first time I said it, I really had to think long and hard and make sure I was not saying something wrong. You know why? Because I don't hear other preachers saying this. I suppose it does sound radical, but it is nonetheless true. I mean, it's almost superhero language, I know. But again, it is true. Even our bodies will be resurrected. It's amazing to me how many Christians don't know this. Our bodies will be resurrected, reformed, transformed, perfected, yet somehow recognizable, as is Jesus. In our eternity, we will be ourselves, untainted by sin. Fellow believers, we're immortal because of the resurrection of Christ. He promised believers the same resurrection He got. Everybody understands Jesus is immortal. He's made us immortal. It's incredible. We're going to live forever. Just like Him. What on earth are we afraid of? Fellow Christian, let me ask you, do you really believe that you are going to live forever in paradise with God? 
Or is this just some wishful thought? Ask yourself, do I really believe that I am going to live again after I die? Let's get real. Do you really believe it? Don't feel like you got a nod to me. I appreciate the encouragement, but just for a second, just ask yourself for real. Don't be, you're not answering me. Answer yourself. Do I really believe it? What if you could actually lose your fear of death? How powerful would that be? See, the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ is that his followers can and should be fearless in the face of death. What am I saying? I'm saying that if I receive a terminal cancer diagnosis tomorrow and find myself on my deathbed, I still should not be afraid. I have the power to be fearless in the face of death because of the resurrection of Christ, which is also now promised to me. Now, God forbid, if somebody had a gun to my head, I would... um, have certain emotions or feelings, right? There's something called fight or flight, which is an involuntary response involving massive release of adrenaline. That's one thing. There's something to be said for not wanting to die, of course. I don't want to die, usually. (laughs) But I should never be afraid to die. Look at the early disciples. Did they fear death? I honestly do not believe they did. I do not believe Paul or Peter or Stephen or James or others who were killed for their faith feared death. They simply didn't fear it. Quite honestly, they did not even fight to hang on to this life. They almost seemed relieved to just let it go. Now, John the Baptist seemed maybe a little bit afraid of death, if you know the story. But remember, that was before Jesus had risen. And I think that's very interesting. What's the difference? Well, the other martyrs had personally seen Jesus come back to life. And see, that changed completely and forever their view of death. The same man who had told them they would live forever with him had risen again. And they had even watched him ascend into heaven physically. They believed. (laughs) They really believed in resurrection. And that gave them power. Power most of us only dream of. Read the story of Stephen who was stoned to death after preaching Christ. You'll find no fear in him. He was fearless. And fearlessness is this, in the face of suffering and death is all we see in the early disciples. Why were they fearless? Because they had witnessed the resurrected Christ and they knew him and they flat out believed. The power of the resurrection of Christ is in losing your fear of death. So, what's our problem? We're afraid to walk across the street and share the gospel with our neighbor. Me too, by the way. Don't feel like the Lone Ranger. Many believers are too afraid to pray in public. Many would never wear a t-shirt that has the name Jesus on it. Some are afraid to lay down a career when Christ has called them to full-time ministry. I could list many other things, but one thing most of us have in common is that we are absolutely afraid of death. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. He then asked if the person listening believed what he had just said. Why did he ask if she believed? Because that's where the power is applied. 
to us personally, through belief, through faith. And Jesus wanted his followers to have that power. Do you believe what Jesus said? That everyone who believes in him will be resurrected to eternal life even after dying? If so, what is there to fear on earth? You are immortal. Death is temporary. In the blink of an eye, his followers will be alive with him. But folks, the truth is that most Christians really are afraid of dying, right? We're afraid of loss, afraid of death. My question is this, what if something changed? What if something changed on the inside of you, and not only you, but most people in the church today? What if something changed? What if in a month our country was invaded, a death squad came to your house, and you simply were not afraid? Is that even possible? I believe it is possible. I'm not saying I'm always there, but I believe it is possible. I believe the early disciples of Jesus had this kind of faith. What if you could have this kind of faith? What if the church at large today had this kind of faith? You think it'd make a difference? Boy, I do. What power we would have. How much would it change our lives? What power would the enemies of God have over you if you did not fear death? Well, their power would be broken, canceled, and it is. There's incredible power in believing that the resurrection of Christ guarantees your own resurrection. I say again, the power of Christ is nothing short of immortality. We must return to this kind of faith if we want to see spiritual awakening and revival in our land. We need the power of Jesus that he talked about from the Holy Spirit, the power to be his witnesses, even if it costs us our lives. And today I'm telling you the power is in the resurrection accepted through faith. If you want to live in the power of Christ, learn to live by faith in his resurrection and what that means for you personally. If you're ready to face the next global pandemic, maybe a much worse one, or a firing squad without fear, I think you'll be ready to face the taunts of an online antagonist or those who oppose you at school or at work. I'm telling you, there's nothing on earth that will empower you like your faith in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I'll close by quoting one more passage from Romans chapter 10. The word is near you, in your mouth, in your heart. That is the word of faith which we are preaching, that if you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart a person believes, resulting in righteousness, and with the mouth he confesses, resulting in salvation. For the Scripture says, whoever believes in him will not be disappointed. Would you pray with me? Father, right now, I lift a heartfelt prayer to you for whoever it is in this room that does not know you, that has never put their faith in the power of what you did on the cross and rising from the dead, that someone today would hear from you. We know we can't come without being drawn by your Spirit. I know your Spirit is here. I know you love people. And for whoever it is here, maybe several, that has never experienced the power of putting their trust in you, I pray today's the day. Just grab a hold of them, Lord. Help us to understand what a big deal it is. We are turning away. We are repenting from all kinds of things. 
from sin and from our own ways of trying to be good enough. We're turning from all of that and we're just putting it all in on Jesus. Putting all our faith and trust in what He did. That it's enough because of who He is and what He did. It's enough. So simple. Because you did the hard part already. And you're at work today. It's only because of you that we can think such a crazy thing. It seems crazy to our human lives and our human thinking. But I know there's somebody here today right now that knows you're speaking. The word is so near. Oh, for surrender today. Oh, for surrender from that person. Just turn to Jesus today. Trust Him. Trust Him for the forgiveness and the life change that's necessary that means that you'll have eternal life with Him. There is power in His name. There is power in the name of Jesus. It means God saves, and He will. If you just receive the gift He's offering. For the rest of us, Lord, we confess to You our weakness, how far we have to go. But today, let us not make any more excuses. Let us come to the foot of the cross and lay down our failures and trust that you can change us. Turn our hearts and our minds toward the resurrection of Jesus Christ, not just today, Lord, not just Easter, but that every day we're alive, we would know it's okay, whatever happens. Because we have the promise of eternity with you in paradise. It is truly the most amazing promise that could ever be made. Let us live according to that promise. Let it change us who we are on the inside, the outside, and everything we do. Lord, bring power back to the church. Sick and tired of the weakness. But even as I say that, I remember in our weakness, you're strong. Change us. Change me. Give me courage and boldness. Bring power back to your church today. Holy Spirit power. The power to be your witnesses. Even your martyrs. If that's where it needs to go, so be it. Thank you for this awesome church that I love. Thank you that they let me be their pastor even though I'm no better than they are. We all need you. We surrender. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to Go Church's weekly sermon podcast. If you enjoyed the sermon, be sure to rate and review us. If you want to learn more about the ministry of Go Church or catch up on previous sermons, check out our website, www.gochurchpnw.com. You can also connect with Go Church on Facebook and Instagram.